can you let go of any story you think you're supposed to have for this role? It's great to position yourself as part of the future. Match a great functional resume and cover letter with an empowered sense of yourself in your interview, you'll knock it out of the park. When you feel good and you're feeling it, it just really, really shows. I hope to hear from you later to say, hey, I got the job. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you tuning in. If you've been listening, you might know that right now, We are on a break between season three and season four, but I have some special bonus content, which I'm really excited to share, and I hope that you find it helpful. This past season, during season three, I took some listener questions, and I had a few different guests answer the same question so that I could compile their answers and share them with you so that the listener and so that anyone else who relates to this question can get multiple perspectives on some of the challenges and trials and tribulations that we often face in our careers. So the format for this bonus episode will be me reading the question. I'll give the listener some thoughts on how I might approach this, if it's something that I relate to in any way. And then I will play back what some of the guests from season three shared when it comes to this question. So in today's episode, you will hear from me, and then you will also hear from Amy Gidden and Nikki, aka the Corporate Melanin Millennial, and you will also hear from Michelle Gomez. And I will also link their information below in case you want to learn more about any of these guests, and I definitely recommend checking out their full episodes too if you haven't. And with that, let's get into the listener question, which I'm so excited to answer, and I hope this is helpful. Enjoy. So for this bonus episode, the listener asks, I've recently realized that I want to make a change in terms of the type of work I do, which means applying for jobs I wouldn't normally apply to and convincing employers that I'm a fit, even though my experience doesn't quite fit. Can you share advice on how to package and sell my abilities throughout this process? How do I make the case that I'm a better fit than someone who already has the exact skill set? Sincerely, Job Searching. I have so many thoughts on this question. So many thoughts. And interestingly enough, None of them are about resumes or any of like the really nitty gritty tactical stuff. Most of what I'm sharing is more mindset and self-confidence related. But luckily, some of the guests who are answering this are providing more of the tactical advice. So you'll get a full picture. But oh my gosh, I have a lot to say about this one. And the first thing that I want to say to this listener and to anyone who relates to this question or anyone who finds themselves in a place where they're making a big change and they're doing something where they quote unquote don't have the experience and they're dealing with that fear and that discomfort of putting yourself in a situation where you feel like you don't have the skill set yet. 
for anyone who is dealing with that or who will deal with that. One thing that I want to share is if you look at the career trajectories of most people who are very successful, so people who lead companies, people who are CEOs, people who are in powerful, impactful leadership roles, if you look at these people's career stories and you kind of look at the steps that they've taken, you will notice that almost always there comes a point in their career or maybe even more than one point in their career where they take on a role where they don't quite have the experience. They make a big leap into something that requires new skills because the people around them trusted them and someone really wanted to bet on them and take a chance on them. And that's actually how they're able to move forward and accelerate themselves towards those more senior leadership roles. And the reason that I share this is because we can begin to think of this as a skill that we are building so that we can grow into the leaders that we are meant to be. So this switch that is being made is the first time in your career or anyone's career where you're going into something unfamiliar and the willingness to do that and actually learning to believe in yourself and cheerlead for yourself and push yourself along is a skill that you need, not just for this job transition, but potentially for other job transitions in the future, and potentially for some big transitions that can have huge positive impacts on the trajectory of your career. So if you are someone who relates to this question or to this listener, I want you to think about this as practice today for the future where you might find yourself in another situation, either where you're switching to a totally different type of role, or maybe you're just getting promoted upwards or you're moving into a larger role and you don't have 100% of the experience. This happens all the time, and it especially happens when people are very talented and people are very good at their jobs. They get pushed upwards a little bit faster than they're quote-unquote ready because they become the talented people that the organization really trusts to move the vision forward. And so the people around them would rather bet on them, even though they don't have all of the skills for that bigger role, than bring in someone different or brand new or unknown. So this ability, this willingness to step into something bigger, something different, and to take on the challenge and to kind of not get too caught up in the swirl of fear is a really important skill that you can think of yourself as developing through this first career transition that you're experiencing. So that is the first thing that I want to share. I'm sharing quite a bit because I have so, so, so many thoughts on this. The second thing that I want to share is about your strengths and your superpowers. And I definitely recommend listening to my episode with Caitlin Hockett and also my solo episode on uncovering your strengths, because I think this is going to play a really big role in this career transition that you're trying to make. The thing about strengths and the thing about the things that you are really good at, your superpowers, the things that just light you up and turbocharge you every time you do them, those strengths tend to be highly translatable from one type of role to another. So when I think of strengths, I don't think of very tactical things. So I don't think of strengths as being a very specific skill or a very specific exercise. I think of them as these broad sweeping skills, things like being able to move a group forward and influence the group and set a vision for the group or things like structure and organization or things like creativity. 
Those are the types of things that I think of as your strengths. And those are the type of things that can actually translate from position to position, from job to job, even if the jobs aren't that similar. And so what I would encourage you to do is if you haven't, those episodes might help you and just spend some time also just reflecting on what those strengths are and what are those things that when you do them, you feel a surge of forward energy, of positive energy. You feel lit up. You feel excited. You feel a sense of momentum. When you feel those feelings, those are a sign that that thing you're doing is something that comes really naturally to you and that you probably have a disproportionate level of ability in. So I would really start to pay attention to those things and I would begin to think about how those qualities will serve you in this transition, how they'll serve you in this new role, how they'll help you with the difficulty of the transition itself. And I would begin to build your story and kind of the way that you package yourself around those because those are universal and often the things that we're good at can apply in so many different situations. And think about it this way, if someone is a leader And we could say that the highest form of a leader at a company is the CEO, although you could argue there's the board and all this other stuff. But let's just say for for all intents and purposes, it's the CEO. The CEO has to manage the chief finance officer, the chief marketing officer, the chief product officer, the chief technology officer. That CEO has quite a lot of responsibility, and it's not necessarily that they have expertise in every single one of those areas. And that CEO doesn't have replicated expertise of everyone within the organization. They have broader sweeping business skills that are being applied very thoughtfully in these specific areas, and you can think of yourself that way as well. You can kind of think of this as an exercise in moving towards that direction. The next piece I want to share is all about your story and your narrative around this new role. So I'm just going to speak to you from my experience. I started in a place where I felt like I was not very good at packaging myself. And I evolved to a place where I felt like I greatly improved my abilities to do that. And it was one little tiny shift that I made that really, really helped me, that I think could really help you. And I think this shift could help anyone, regardless of whether they're making a job change or whether they're doing the same thing. And that is when I thought about packaging myself and telling my story of who I am and what I do and what my skills are and why I'm right for the job. I moved away from the old story that I had, which was sort of built around all the things I thought it was quote unquote supposed to say. So I realized that I had a narrative in my head that I probably absorbed, you know, over years of getting professional advice and hearing how you're quote unquote supposed to do things. And so I had this way of speaking about myself. I had this story that I crafted and that's how I would share and that's how I would package myself in an interview or a professional situation. But I began to realize that because this story was really all the things that I quote unquote should have in my professional narrative and how I package myself, it wasn't truly authentic to me. And so what I did was I rebuilt my story from the ground up, really making sure that when I talked about me 
and the things that I bring to the table, that they were things that I truly, authentically, at a deep level felt connected with. And through that process, I realized that so much of my old kind of elevator pitch and story and how I spoke about myself and talked about myself, I just realized that so much of it didn't come from me. It came from all of the buzzwords and phrases that I thought I should be using. And as soon as I got to a really authentic, authentic story that felt like me, it was so much easier to deliver. Because when something is authentic and it really comes from a place of you connecting with it and you believing it, when you deliver it, oh my gosh, the difference in how you sound, how confident you are, how powerful you sound, the difference is massive. So when you go from a story that's not really your story to one that you feel great about, the person you're talking to can feel that shift that you're experiencing. And so what I would want you to do as you think about packaging yourself for this role is can you let go of any story you think you're supposed to have for this role, right? Because I'm sure you have all these things swirling in your mind of like, okay, I need to say this and then like I need to say this and this is how I talk about this. I would put that aside It doesn't have to go away completely, but I would just put it aside for a minute and I would just get really quiet and close your eyes and just ask yourself, like, why do I believe that I am right for this role? What do I think it is about me and my experience that is really my story when it comes to this role? And give yourself the space and the time for that to emerge from you Don't be scared. Don't be scared of like doing it and then, you know, nothing happens and you're like, I don't know my story. Take the risk of getting quiet and listening for what comes up because first of all, something probably will come up. And second of all, whatever comes up is going to be way better than whatever story you thought you're supposed to have about why you're right for this role and why you're right for this switch. When we feel connected to what we're saying, when it comes from a place of authenticity and when it comes from a place of heart, actually, It's much more powerful than when it's this kind of story that we've taken on that really isn't true to us and who we are. And this is something that I've observed in my own career. It's something I've observed after listening back to myself on 60 plus episodes of the podcast. I can literally hear my voice changing and I can tell by the way my voice changes what I'm thinking. It's something I've observed doing my side hobby and some of the stuff that I do in the performing arts and getting on stage. When you feel good and you're feeling it, it just really, really shows. So I would encourage you to connect with a story that you really feel incredible about. And the last piece that I will share with you on this that I think is really important is this is sort of part of your inner work and your inner prep for this job transition. This is not really for the people that are going to be interviewing you or looking at your resume. This is the inner work that I would suggest that you do to feel good about this. I would confront any fears that you have about not being good enough for this role head on. And any fears that you have at all about the process, I would just write them down on a piece of paper and spend some time reflecting on them. Because otherwise, I find that sometimes when I'm afraid of something, I pretend like I'm not and then it sits in the back of my mind and it's like bugging me, bugging me, bugging me. And I think that by repressing it, I'm just squashing it and getting rid of it. But it's just lingering there somewhere in the depths of my brain. It's still lurking there like some shadowy creature. And when I write it down 
it almost takes some of the power away from it. And it helps it go from this big gargantuan problem that is in my mind to something very manageable and something very normal and something very human. So for example, if you're afraid that you might get into the job and then not succeed because you don't have the skill set, when you have that fear and you just try to stuff it down, it can really take control of you and it can really run the show. And as soon as you write it down and maybe journal about it a bit and just look at it, you'll see that this is just a fear and it's totally normal. Of course you would be afraid of not succeeding. You're trying something new. So that makes a ton of sense just because you feel that way and just because you were afraid of it doesn't necessarily mean it's an omen about the future, doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And by confronting it head on, it takes some of the scariness away from it. Because I actually think that when we run away from things, we make them scarier a lot of the time. Not always, but sometimes avoiding the thing and running and running and running makes it scarier and scarier and scarier. And we think that by running away, (laughs) we're making it less scary because we're running away, we're getting farther, but we're actually making it more scary in our minds. And sometimes just confronting it head on is way less scary than trying to avoid it or pretend it's not there. So those are my many, many thoughts on this question. It stirred up a lot. I think it's such an important question. And now you're going to get to hear from my guest. So the first person that you will hear from is Amy Gidden. You may have heard her interview towards the end of season four. Let's hear what she has to say about this question. I'll tell you why I love that question. You might have seen the research that talks about men and women's inclination to apply for jobs they're not qualified for. I don't know if you've seen this, but they've presented men and women job requirements. Like there were 10 items or something. And men, they checked off four of those. They're like, I got this. (laughs) Women would check off nine and a half boxes and say, I'm not quite ready for that. So anyway, great question. Glad you're going for it. So I guess a couple of things. One is do your homework. I mean, know everything there is to know about the company, about the department, about the role, about the hiring manager. Because, you know, applying for a job is basically salesmanship. And the more you know about the need you're satisfying or the need you're filling, the better you're going to be able to sell yourself as the right candidate for that job. So really understanding what they need both now and in the future is going to help you kind of parlay the experience that you do have into something that feels like an important fit for them. Um, So once you've done all your homework, I mean, the tools you have out of the gate are your resume and cover letter. I do recommend tailoring your resume for jobs, especially if it's um, not a direct follow-on from what your experience has been. Um, Sometimes it helps to actually start with your core competencies and make sure that those are really not only clear, but speak to the position as best you can. But it's your cover letter that can really work some magic. So it's your job to do the storytelling, to help connect the dots for the hiring manager. So now you've done your homework, you know exactly what you need, you know what your experience has been, and your cover letter is the place to tell the story about how the experience you have is really helpful for the task that they have at hand and why you're fit for the job. And I think you probably many of the listeners probably also know how important storytelling is 
and that people make emotional decisions and they look for the facts to back them up after the fact, right? So those who can tell powerful, compelling stories are so far ahead of the game. So a couple of things you can do in your storytelling is first of all, of course, emphasize all those skills that are a fit. And then use that to talk about how you're going to be able to contribute right away, even while you're learning some of the new skills you'll have to learn for that role. I wouldn't try to hide what you don't know because they will know, but rather talk about the fact that you have a lot to contribute right away while learning. And by the way, did I tell you what a fast study I am? And I've taken jobs in the past where I had to learn on the job. And here's how I did that, right? So let them know that this is not your first rodeo. You've had the opportunity to have other jobs where you've had to learn on the job and you've done it really effectively. So you're going to contribute right away. You've got some things to learn. You know how you're going to get that learning done quickly. And by the way, I've done that. I've done that in the past. And then I think the last suggestion I'd have is to talk about the skills you bring to the table that are above and beyond maybe the like functional or technical requirements of the job. So what is your secret sauce? Are you able to bring different points of view together in a room? Are you an, an expert at, at spotting talent and mentoring people? Are you someone who can get uh, really in the weeds technically, but also you know connect dots and have the ability to see the bigger picture? So what are those things that you uniquely bring to the table that may not even be in the job qualifications, but because you've done your homework and you know what that organization needs, you can talk about these skills as bringing some, something above and beyond what other candidates are able to bring. And, okay, well, sorry, one more thing. I have so much advice on this topic. I've done this so many times. It's great to position yourself as part of the future. So yes, you're, you're applying for a job. That job has certain skill requirements and uh, you're a good fit for that, if not a perfect fit for that. But because of where that company is headed or because of the scope of responsibilities that hiring manager has, these other things that you bring to the table are going to be an important part of the future of that company or the ability of that hiring manager to get their larger you know, vision accomplished or scope of responsibilities done. So not only are you a good fit today, but you're going to be a good fit for tomorrow. And you're going to remind hiring managers that they're hiring for the long term, right? So that helps them to look at your qualifications with a, a longer time horizon. And next, you will hear from Nikki, aka the Corporate Melanin Millennial, and she does career coaching all around resumes and job searching and job changes. So I was really excited to hear her thoughts on this. So let's cut in to Nikki's advice. So I have a story for you. I have a coworker who he didn't go to school, but he's at a manager level right now, and he did it all through self-teaching. He knew he wanted to get out of the role he was in. He taught himself how to code. He taught himself development skills. He taught himself so many things because it was an upskill to give him the things he may be missing. So my advice to you is to take some Udemy courses, to self-teach yourself, YouTube videos, books. And once you've developed those skills, Create a skill-based resume. So create a resume that showcases the skills of things that you can do as related to the industry you're attempting to get into. 
And once you've done that, you'll be able to get into a role where you may not have the work experience, but you have the professional development skills to land you that job. And it will work out. And I hope to hear from you later to say, hey, I got the job. And lastly, I also asked Michelle Gomez, who also does career coaching and life coaching, what her thoughts were on this situation. So let's hear what she had to say. So functional resume, it differs from a chronological resume because it helps showcase and highlight your skill set and talent and not highlight your lack of experience. Chronological resume is like, you know, if you want to continue in the industry, you want to be able to showcase your years of experience and all that you've done in that space, right? Because it creates validity in your pitch. But if you're transitioning, it's like, no, now now it's less experience and more will. Like, no, no I'm willing to do this. I, I think I'd be a great person for this role. And here's why. So a functional resume has is a great way to showcase your individuality with your skill set and your talent. If you have the innate skill set or you've you've been willing to do things like if you want to learn tech, right? You want to be good at social selling or marketing or branding. You might not have had any of those positions in the past, but you could have done some of that stuff in your role. So it's okay to highlight that as part of your functionality in your resume. You know, I'm able to do marketing, brand, able to collect data and do research on on what the market asks for. Um, I know how to market to your the demographic that your brand is is servicing, and you can showcase how your functionality, along with your skill set and willingness to do this job, is a good fit. And then you you match a great functional resume and cover letter with an empowered sense of yourself in your uh, interview. You'll knock it out of the park. Right. And I've said this before, like nobody wants to work with a super qualified jerk. They don't. They'd rather work with the ambitious, excited, energetic novice. And that brings us to the end of the episode. I hope that this was helpful. And by the way, if you would like to have your listener question answered on the show, either during an interview or during a bonus episode or at some point, but if you have any sort of question, there is a link in the show notes that will take you to a very simple form where you can input your question totally anonymously. And there is a pretty good chance that it will be answered on a future show. It could be anything. It could be a very specific situation that you're dealing with. It could be a broader question that you'd love to hear a guest talk about on the show. It could really be anything. I love hearing from you and hearing these questions is really helpful because it helps me understand what to focus on, what to focus the conversations on, and how I can be most helpful as the host of the show. So with that, I wanted to thank you so much for tuning in. Please feel free to say hello to me. I'm on Instagram. My handle is The Art of Speaking Up. And also, if you are enjoying the show, it would mean so much to me if you could leave a rating for the show in Apple Podcasts. It fills me with joy when I get a rating. You have no idea. I need to be a little bit less obsessed, but what can you do? I'm a little bit obsessed. It's fine. I'm owning it. It's cool. Anyway, rambling is starting, which means I need to go. You need to go. Catch you later. (laughs) Bye.